Welcome to Study, Grow, Know, where we discuss theology, prophecy, and current political issues from a conservative biblical perspective. Here's your host, Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Psalm 145, 17-20 states the following. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Now, the above text from Psalm 145 is a praise of Psalm. You know, it's a, it's a praise that David entered into when he wrote that psalm. He knew personally and firsthand how the Lord provided for those who loved and feared him. The entire passage quoted above speaks to God's attention to our needs if we come before him with the right attitude. Starting with verse 17, David begins pointing out truths that every believer needs to internalize. Let me read it again. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. The entire section of that psalm provides proof of God's nearness and his concern for those who call upon him in truth, those who fear him, and those who love him. Notice how God is near to those who do the three things above, call upon him in truth, fear him, and love him. It's as if he is leaning in, ready to hear their prayers and answer them swiftly. Why? Well, because he sees the heart of the person who calls upon him in truth, fears him, and loves him. And again, when we talk about fear in God, we're talking about a fear of offending him. Without these things, we should not expect God to hear our prayers. We should not expect him to pay any real attention to us. Now, even though it appears that we're heading into uncharted waters economically in this world, and maybe financially, God says he will not abandon his own. In fact, there are many places throughout the Old Testament and the Hebrew Scriptures where we learn God provided for the righteous with Israel, even even when he was bringing judgment onto that nation. Isaiah 3, 10 and 11 makes this fact very clear. Listen to what it says. Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. Now in that above passage that I just read from Isaiah, ultimately God is, of course, speaking about the end of the righteous person's life here, when they go on to their eternal reward. And in the end, the righteous will enjoy that eternal reward that allows them to live with God in a perfect environment without sin, to experience God's love and graciousness throughout eternity forever. It will be well with the righteous. And of course, the wicked, on the other hand, will forfeit that 
because they consistently choose self and their evil desires over submitting to God. But I also believe that these verses speak to the fact that even within the confines of judgment, when God is pouring out judgment on a nation, whether it's Israel or whether it's America, this righteousness that we have because of what Christ has done for us and the righteousness that we have within us, I, I still believe that God is saying to us, there will be times of blessing in spite of the judgment that's coming. Much as Israel was not touched by the many, many of the judgments that fell on Egypt prior to their exodus from that land to the promised land. One of the most difficult things I deal with, it's not necessarily other people or the unpleasant things that come into my life. It's my thinking about other people or the unpleasant things that come into my life. My thinking or thought patterns can be and are my worst enemy at times. 20 plus years ago, I was depressed to the point of needing medication to help buoy me up and gain a better perspective. I wish I could say it wasn't necessary, but it seemed to be at that point that I had to do something. And I was also very overweight. What I did eat often caused more harm than anything good. Now, when a person takes medication to feel better, it's usually, it's usually done because a person's thoughts are weighing that person down. It's, it's one bad thought after another, and it creates a mindset that is totally self-defeating. It is hard to rise above that often on your own. You seem to be fighting yourself. So I noticed that after a while, well, the medication was not really doing its job like I thought it should, but there's there's no magic pill, folks. On the other hand, it helped raise my spirits so that I felt a little bit better, while at the same time helped me notice a bit of a dichotomy within me. And while I felt better to a degree, I could still easily see and feel the terrible thoughts that wanted me to wallow in self-despair. And after talking with a medical professional who knew of my genetic mutations, it was the MTHFR gene. Each person has two of those. Well, both mine are faulty. Well, she pointed out that likely due to that, as one reason, medications would not work for me that well. And other avenues would need to be tried. Healthy eating, exercise, losing weight, avoiding certain foods, etc. So that was the method used, and it did make a huge difference. I've talked about that many times. The MTHFR double mutation that I have creates problems for me. I can't take, for instance, supplements with folic acid as my body cannot metabolize folic acid. So I have to have folate, which is already methylated. Beyond this, if I ever get cancer, because of the MTHFR double mutation, chemotherapy therapy might not help me much at all. So I've determined never to get cancer. Ha! Huh. Anyway, we'll see what happens. 20 plus years later, having been away from that type of medication, the Lord helped me realize something extremely important. And it was very recently that I realized it. Anyone who goes through depressive episodes that can last for months or even a few years develops a pattern of thinking. And these patterns tend to become ingrained in the way that person thinks, not only of themselves, but of the world around them. And chances are good, though, 
that those patterns developed over the years when they were much younger, leading up to what we call depressive episodes. Now, as for me, I've always been a, gl a glass half empty kind of person, always. It's simply my nature. And I realize it largely has to do with the impact my parents made on the way I saw the world and the way I think in general. I'm not blaming them. I'm not. I'm simply saying that whether or not they realized it, they tended to pass down to me and my sister the negativism, the way of thinking, the thought patterns that was rife in their own lives between my mother and father. That negativism was alive and often fearful to me. So based on what I saw and what I experienced and what I learned from a young age, my negative patterns of thinking developed. The adage, you live what you learn, it's very true. Now, I carried those thought patterns with me and they guided many aspects of my life as I grew into adulthood. I don't see how a child can avoid mirroring at least some of their parents' attributes, good or bad. We pass on what we are and what we've learned. When pressure mounts in my life, I tend to recoil and I want to run from it. I tend to view it as the enemy that I need to escape from. And if I'm successful, it'll allow me to relax and then carry on. That's really wishful thinking, though, because the pattern of thinking is fully ingrained and not something that can be easily ignored. It's a very difficult thing to get over and to change our patterns of thinking. The breakthrough for me came last Tuesday evening at our Bible study group. I don't know why it took so long, but here it is. It suddenly dawned on me, those thought patterns will always be there in me. I can't change them. I cannot wiggle out from underneath them. What I can do is use his word to break the hold those thought patterns have over me. But it requires me to actually do something, to fight back, as it were. So how do I fight back? Well, what can I do? What I found helps me immensely is repeating verses of scripture. One of my favorites that I've shared before is Isaiah 41.10. And when I remember... I repeat that to myself to speak to my own situations, to speak to my soul, my spirit. That helps break the pattern of thinking. It interrupts it, allowing me to focus away from myself and on to God and the contents of the promises in his word, like Isaiah 41.10. Another one at the top of this article or episode from Psalm 145 is one that I'm currently memorizing. The point is that we can allow our thoughts or the enemy's attack, often through our minds and our thinking, to defeat us, or we can fight back. We fight back not in our own strength, and that's very important, but by leaning heavily on scripture because God's word is active and alive and able to save us. When we lean on his word, his word does the fighting. That is our best weapon, the sword of the Lord. Because by using it, we break the destructive pattern of our thinking and then renew our minds with the truth of scripture. Now, if you are not memorizing and repeating scripture to yourself, you are not fighting in the spirit. You may feel you're resisting 
but you are actually resisting in your own strength, your own flesh. Repeating memorized scripture speaks to our hearts, our minds, and to the enemy of our soul. I cannot implore you enough to memorize aspects of his word. His word is what continually saves us from ourselves, from the world, from the flesh, and from Satan. Please start today if you are not already doing so. Please, one scripture at a time. Now, on another note, we are getting ready to head out for a vacation. We would appreciate your prayers for our safety. I probably will not write much while we're gone, and we'll be gone for over a week. Thanks to everyone who reads this, who listens to these episodes, and is encouraged by what I share. Think of the day when we will all meet in person with our Lord and Savior. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. And until we meet again, I pray that God will open your eyes to show you how blessed you are in Him. You've been listening to Study, Grow, Know with Dr. Fred DeRuvo. Please join us each week for new broadcasts that deal with theology, prophecy, and political issues from a biblical, conservative perspective. 